Welcome to the Hope. I am Pastor Norm. And today I have the privilege of bringing God's holy word. And I trust that he is going to open our hearts up. Would you stand with me one more time? Say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. The word. The Logos. The Bible says the word is like a double-edged sword. Able to cut deep. To get rid of things that don't belong. To make me lightweight where I need to be. Lord, today, I believe by faith. Your word is true. I can believe it. I can trust it. It will change my life. Help me today to receive all you have for me. Even if it's just a little seed. Help that seed to grow. I put my life into your hands, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. So, discovering your spiritual gift, part two. And I, I haven't said this, but sometimes people have more than one gift, but everybody has at least one, right? Now, last week I pointed out that the Apostle Paul was speaking to, obviously, the Corinthian church, hence the book, First and Second Corinthians. He was teaching them proper church etiquette. They had come from a, a pagan environment, and they were beginning to learn or understand about God, about the real God, capital G, and they had some things they had to work out. How many know that not everybody that walks into the church is ready? Some of us have some bumps. Some of us need to have some of our edges filed off. Pastor Barb was telling me about somebody at the gas pump yesterday and and the lady was struggling with it, trying to get it to work. And, and she got out and she just said, did you really want to use that E85? And the lady's like, no. And I guess she got really, can I use the word belligerent? Was that kind of, yeah, she said, yeah, that's about right. And, and Barb still helped her work through the process, but the lady kept barking at her. It's like, okay. Sometimes people come to church and that's how they are. I hope it's not me. <laughs> but even some days, there are days when I come in here and I'm trying to put that smile on, right? That's that fake. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, June's like, yeah, yeah, I've seen that before. My whole point is, these people, the Corinthians, they needed some help, and Paul was there to give it to them. Paul spoke of the diversity of the Trinity. Three persons in one. They're all unique. And we need all of them. The Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then there's diversity in the spiritual gifts. Should it be any other way? If God is diverse... So will his gifts be diverse, and we've got to understand that. And he listed nine of them, 
in the beginning of uh, chapter 12. But there are more to come, as we're going to see. And by the way, chapter 12 isn't the only place we find the gifts. I'm going to get into this a whole lot more as we continue. But today, just bear with me. So we're going to begin reading today with verse 12. And here, Paul is emphasizing how God uses diversity to ensure that the church is healthy. Now today, diversity is, ah, it's its own word, and it's like, how many like that word? Anybody? A couple of you. We should be diverse, but I don't mean diverse in the sense of how the world looks at it. What I'm saying is, we need to have everything God intends us to have. And because we're all so unique and we all have bumps, some of us have less bumps, we need all types. If everybody was smooth as a baby's behind, if I can use that, I already did. It'd be boring in church. It's the bumpy people that kind of bring life. Well, sometimes. There are other times when maybe you wish the bumps weren't as many, but am I making sense? I, I hope so. I'm just trying to get across what Paul was trying to say to these people. A healthy church takes place when the church ensures that that variety that God has put together, look at your neighbor and say, that's you. Now say, that's me. When that variety is combined for one useful product, which is the local church. We need everybody. We need your unique gift. Everyone brings something to the table, and, and I can't say this enough. You're going to see a difference in this church as we proceed because it's going to be my effort as well as our leadership's effort that we make the effort to get everybody plugged in where they need to be. I learned this years ago, even before I became a leader, I learned it in my own life that when people get plugged in, it's the glue that holds them there. The people that leave the church typically are the ones that never get involved. They come to church, they listen to the worship, they, they may praise the Lord, they may sing a few songs, they may listen to the pastor, or they may continue on their phone while the pastor's speaking. And then, and then they leave for another week, or two, or three, or four, however often they show up. I'm not trying to bruise anybody today, just saying, we need everybody. If this is your church, and, and again, I'm identifying the people on the other end of that camera, God knows who you are, and you are part of this church, you need to be here in person. I get it. I love the fact we have live stream, 
so that if we're on vacation, we can still catch the message, even if it's later. But when you're not a part, when you're not physically involved in the church, something is missing. Mainly you. (laughs) All right. Each person must use his or her gift as God designed. And what I'm about to go into, beginning with verse 12, Paul masterfully uses the human body to represent the body of Christ. So let's jump in there. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12, 12, and I'm going to begin. From the New Living Translation, the human body has many parts. How many parts does a human body have? Do you know? Do you remember? How many? Lots. <laughs> Let's just say lots. I love putting people on. Sorry about that. The human body has many parts, but the right side of the butt, the many parts make up one whole body. All right? So how many how many bodies do I have? But how many parts? And how many do they make up? One. God, this is what Paul's trying to say. It's not rocket science. Some of us are Jews. Ooh. Some are Gentiles. Those are the two types of people. Who are the Jews? The Jews. Who are the Gentiles? Non-Jews. Anybody that isn't a Jew. They're, so that's everybody else in a nutshell. So it includes everybody. Some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Ooh, there's the connector. Say that part with me. We all share the same spirit. What makes us one? We all share the same spirit. That's what makes us one. That's what Paul's saying. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. Scholar Bittlinger commented here, he said, in order to accomplish his work on earth, Jesus had a body made of flesh and blood, and he walked the earth, right? We know that from the Gospels. He went on to say, in order to accomplish his work today, say today, Jesus has made a body that consists of living human beings. So when he came to bring the word of God, to bring salvation, to bring redemption, he walked in the flesh. And then he went back to heaven. He's now seated at God's right hand. But he didn't leave the earth without representation. He left you and me. The body of Christ. This is pretty simple. I think. Everybody say, that's us. Paul makes it clear that the body of Christ has not one part, but many parts. Thank you, you're getting it. What brings us together again is the Holy Spirit. Some Bible versions translate this, and 
it's the King James, New King James, but as we uh, have all been made to drink into one spirit. Because when you read that, it's kind of a little bit confusing. We're supposed to drink the spirit. Anyway, it's just talking about becoming one. That's all he's saying there. It's, it's, it's not difficult. We all have the same spirit in us. David Pryor puts it like this. He said, Jesus is the baptizer. The Holy Spirit is the element in which all Christians are baptized. Jesus baptizes us at, at our rebirth into Christ. He baptizes us. The Holy Spirit begins living in us the day we say yes to Jesus. All right? It's pretty simple. The message of 1 Corinthians, Life in the Local Church Commentary, suggests Paul spells out at least three facts here, and I just wanted to share them briefly. First, say them with me. We need one another. Two, we differ from one another. And three, we are to care for one another. <laughs> Some of you are going, oh boy. Some of you, this might be an epiphany. What? I'm supposed to look out for others? Duh. It's called the body of Christ. If one of your parts isn't doing well, what do you do? Mary, you fix it. Otherwise, the rest of the body is struggling too in pain wave she had surgery friday when somebody in the church has a need it's important that we step up and help ah oh, somebody else will get it don't be that person you see it you do it you know, God puts people on our hearts. And this goes to a whole other message. I'm not getting into it, but just to say this. When somebody is put on your heart, what should you immediately do? Pray. Thank you. Ooh, you're learning. Pray. If you don't know what to say, what do you do? Pray in the Spirit. Pray in that gift of tongues. That is what will make the difference. If that person's in a bad situation, now... If that person needs help, God puts them on your heart. Don't just pray. Call them. Can I help? Well, I'm old, Pastor Norm. What can I do? You're still alive. You still have breath in those lungs. Call them and find out. This is what the body of Christ is all about. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 12, beginning with verse 15. If the foot says, uh-oh, here we go. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body, because I am not a hand. I love how he does this. That does not make it any less a part of the body. So in other words... The foot can say all day long, I'm not a part of the body, but until it ain't attached, it's a part of the body. 
And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye. Oh, wow. Would that make it any less a part of the body? No. If the whole body were not, oh. I, I immediately go to that great big eye. Can you imagine if that's how all of us looked? No pun intended. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? <laughs> I love this. So I'm going to do something right now. <clears throat> you might go, what? I know, my son warned me not to do this. How many remember Mr. Potato Head? Huh? Come on, come on. Julie, Marie, come on, you guys played with Mr. Potato Head. You're not even nodding over there. They agreed, yup, yup. And in the, in the old days, we had to use a real spud. We, we couldn't just pull the cool parts out. No, we had to have... Oh. Wait. He, he's here, she, or it is having a problem. Listen. Oh, there goes their glasses. Hang on. There we go. All right. Mrs. Potato Head. And you got to have a Mr. Potato Head. By the way, whoever donated these, thank you. They come in handy. Now, these guys have all their parts in the right places, and they're recognizable. Hello? When the parts aren't in the right place, they might not be recognizable. What Paul is saying is this. The church, the body of Christ, should represent the body of Christ. And if the parts, say that's me, if the parts are in the right place, right place doing the right thing, she has been a problem from the beginning. She's going back in the bag. All right, I'm just using him because he's easier. All right. You get the point. When all the parts is where they belong, the church functions well. And when the people... <laughs> See? Even in the bag, she gives me problems. <laughs> what was the point? <laughs> we, we must have diversity. That's the point. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to put him away before I get in trouble. More trouble than I already am. I hope that 
kind of drives the point home. That was my intention. Otherwise, do we want to look like this? We want to be recognizable, and that only takes place when everyone is where they are supposed to be, doing what they're supposed to do as God equipped them. Who gives us the gift? The Spirit. The Spirit determines the gift. Say that with me. The Spirit determines the gift. Whatever you have, that gift is going to be from the Holy Spirit. You don't pick it. You You don't go, you know, I'd make a really good prophet. Well, maybe you would, but unless the Spirit gives that to you, you're just vocal. <laughs> Same is true with any other gift. And, and I said this last week, again, I, just to emphasize the point. The Corinthians had gotten stuck. Everybody liked the gift of tongues. So they were all going around Praying and praising in tongues. Nobody understood what they were saying. Because they hadn't gotten the rest of the story, which I'm going to get to in a couple of weeks. But today, just bear with me. All right? I'm talking about the gifts. I'm talking about the body of Christ today. Paul is saying that we need all of the gifts to bring balance. If anything's missing, you're going to look like the potato guy. And that's pretty weird, in my opinion. In this passage, the Apostle Paul points out another thing that's very important. And that is that independence, listen to this, independence is not a good thing. (sighs) We're all dependent on Jesus Christ first. And I think this trips a lot of people up. This is one of the reasons a lot of people don't come to church. Because they don't want to hear about it. It's my life. I earned my wages. Nobody's going to tell me what I can or can't do. Well, there's going to come a day. Every knee will bend. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you're not dependent on him... You won't be anymore either for an eternity. Second, we're dependent on each other as the body of Christ. We need each other. Say that with me. We need each other. In this light, if a brother or sister feels inferior, you know what that means, right? Less than they should. Like they're from a... I go back to this just because I love the, the show. Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Land of the Misfit Toys. And there's Charlie. Charlie's a train with square wheels. What child wants to play with a train that has square wheels? I don't know if I'm doing it justice, but you get the idea. We need each other as the body of Christ. When somebody feels inferior, we need them to feel like they're not. 
Or they may feel discontent or bitter because somebody else has a better gift. Ooh. Envy. Jealousy even sometimes. You know, sometimes I listen to some of these other pastors and I'm just like, why are they so stinking good? I want to be like that. And the Lord says, no, you don't. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. There's too much responsibility. When you get good, everybody wants them to come and preach at their church or at their conference or whatever. And I'm not belittling myself. I am who I am. But my whole point is this. It's easy to fall into that trap of, well, why don't I have one of those good gifts? You know what? You want to know what I think one of the best gifts in the church is? The gift of helps. That's where you help. Wherever the need. You see a need, you fix it. Anybody can be or use the gift of helps. But if you have that gift, it's really special. And I've known people who have had that gift, and tremendous people, tremendous, and humble, no pride in them, just, what can I do? What do you need done? That's, we need a, a bunch of those. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. If somebody gets bitter, though, if somebody thinks somebody else has a better gift, it can and often does lead to problems in the church. We, as a church, must ensure that everybody uses their gift. And I wanted to say, just briefly, I don't see this so much today. Parents don't tend to, to parent this way. But when I was raised, and I'm a boomer, obviously, my parents raised me to be independent. Right? That, that's a common thing today, or at least was years ago. Today, I think kids are a little more reliant on their parents. They don't expect them to, to be able to go out on their own at 12. They wait till they're like 20 or so. You get what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not going to go there. So, I married an independent woman. Everybody say, how independent was she, Pastor Norm? And I'm talking about Pastor Barb. She's the only one I've been married to. 47 years, last Monday. <laughs> and we still love each other. Even though we're independent. But we're dependent on him first. That's what changed our marriage. Is that we started to rely on Jesus first. And then on each other. But she was so independent. She got ripped off. She had a little Vega. That thing was cool. It, it, 75 Vega, a little green, had the black stripes on it. It was awesome until I got a hold of it. But anyway, she took it, she took it to the shop, and the guy was trying to rip her off. So you know what she did? She said, this is never going to happen again. She went to Lansing Community College and took an auto mechanics class. That's how independent she was. She said, no guy's going to rip me off again. I love her for that, though. That's why I married her. 
She's a lot like my mom. <laughs> That's a good thing. My mom, I, I'm inferring that my mom is independent. But here's the problem. The way we were raised can contradict the Bible's teaching. I say this in love, and I mean that. The independent attitude, I don't need to be a part of the church, is not scriptural. According to Jesus and Paul, it's not scriptural. I've heard people say, I don't need anybody else to be a strong Christian. And as a pastor, I would contest that idea. Because sometimes, you and I, we cannot mature unless we're put into a pressure cooker with people that we don't necessarily get along with. It's easy if we're always picking our friends. Right? You dictate who you hang out with all the time, and yeah, that's pretty easy. You can keep a straight face. You don't lose your Christianity. But one time going down Chris Road, getting behind that slow-moving vehicle, and it all goes right out the window. And that's what God does sometimes with the people in church. You come in here expecting glory to God. I'm just going to worship him. Praise be to his name. And then that one brother or sister comes up and gives you that nudge. And you're like, come on. Put them put up. Right? You know what I'm saying. Guess what? Welcome to the body of Christ. When you get in a tussle with somebody in your blood family, you don't boot them just because they said a crass word to you. You might biff them, but you don't throw them out. No, you don't biff them. Maybe verbally. We need each other. And sometimes you can't mature unless you're in a body where God can use that person to press and push on you in ways you've never been pressed or pushed. Look at this from another perspective. If, if maybe the problem isn't so much with you being gone, how it's going to change you. What if the problem is that there's somebody in this church that needs a gift that you have, but by you staying home, they don't get it. Huh. Light bulb. We are all needed. Don't be selfish with your gift. And by, I'm just adding this. This does not mean you can't go on vacation. <laughs> Come on. That's not what Paul was saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we all need to be here when we can. Don't let it be for stupid reasons that you're not here. Well, be a good morning to stay home and just watch our live stream. You know, I'm going to lose half our audience. I'm sorry, but it's, it's a truth. 
whether inferior or superior, <laughs> wrapping this thought up, neither is acceptable in the kingdom of God. All right? Can I get a good amen? Verse 18, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he, oops, just where he wants it. <laughs> supposed to switch to that. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. One part. I wish I could just stand it up there, but you get the idea. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. We need all our parts. As Pryor puts it, it means a genuine effort by those in pastoral oversight to recognize, train, and release the gifts of every individual for effective service. I'm giving myself a spanking here. I want to read it again. Pryor said, it means a genuine effort by those in pastoral oversight to recognize, train, and release the gifts of every individual for effective service. I admit it. We have not done a very good job with this. But I'm here to tell you today that from here forward, it's going to be one of our goals to make sure that we are using the gifts of every person that calls this their home. You are a part of the body of Christ, and we need you. Let's work together to make this happen. Amen? Amen. Now, I've said this over and again. Paul is emphasizing that the Corinthian church was way too exuberant about the tongues and not enough exuberant. Oh, I don't know if that's a correct sentence, probably not. Anyway, they didn't focus on the other gifts as much as they should. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Oh, really? And the parts we regard as less honorable are those that we clothe with greatest care. I don't need to go there. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together. And that little asterisk, I'm going to explain something here in just a minute. For God, So God has put the body together such that Extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. Usually when somebody thinks of a church, who do they immediately describe? That's not my fault. I don't go after that. I don't even enjoy it, to be honest. It's the rest of you people. It's where is she? Is, is Rosemary in here? I'm pointing her out. Where is she? Wrong Rosemary. The other Rosemary. She's out. See, she's out there. And we have so many that do this. And I'm only bringing her up because she just did this. That's all right. That's all right. She'll hear it. She's hearing it right now going, eh. 
She kept telling me, don't thank me. She and her husband went out and they painted the gas pipes on the back of the building. They were all rusty looking. And You go out there right now and it looks amazing. Thank her for that. And then she goes, anything else? I said, well, there you are. The cellar doors over there look so horrible. Yes, the basement has a cellar door. She didn't know that. She went over, she cleaned it up, and she painted that. And she said, now I'm going to do the porch on the trailer in the back that needs it. Why am I bringing her up? I didn't do that. She did. She's the one that makes this place look good. That's my point. It wasn't the pastor. It was one of the members of the body of Christ. That little asterisk, it's connected to God has put the body together. Listen to this. The Greek word is sukaranumi. Sukaranumi. Say that real t- three times. Sukaranumi. And it has the basic meaning of mixing different parts together with a specific purpose in mind, i.e., to produce mutual support and interdependence. You got it? I love this part, though. The word may be used of mixing colors. Have you ever watched them when you go in and you say, yeah, I want a brown or I want a, a gold or whatever it is, and they, they start maybe with a white or a dark base, whichever one it's going toward, and then they either add light or they add dark, and it goes in there and you're like, ooh, that looks messy. But once they mix it up, It's like, how cool is that? There's my color. It takes a variety of different colors to make something beautiful. Variety or diversity, as I've been using the word, makes a rich tapestry of beautiful colors when people come together for the mutual benefit of all. Can you imagine us being in a great big old paint mixer? We're all in the bucket together. And we're all our own little shade of color, whichever that is. And God goes, you know, it makes that noise. Maybe not, but anyway, in my head it does. And when you're all done and they put it in that, that's the church, right? Mix us all together. Before it's mixed, it looks like a hodgepodge of nothing. But once God does his miracle, (laughs) it's beautiful. I think every church has its own color. Keep this in mind when you think of spirit giftings. Verse 25 This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. I already used Mary. Think of a toothache. Anybody ever have a toothache? When you have a toothache, how's the rest of your body feel? You're ready to exercise that tooth, aren't you? Get rid of it. It hurts. The whole body suffers. 
That's what God is saying. That's what Paul was saying. When somebody's hurting, fix it. Help them. Get them back on their feet. And as soon as, the sooner that you do, the, the healthier, the better for it, the whole body is going to be. But if we have 30 people in the church that all have toothaches, let me tell you something. It's going to be tough. We need each other. Fix the toothache. We would be remiss to neglect one gift over another. Every gift is important. No one should think that their gift is more important or that they are more important than another in the church. Every brother and sister must discover and use their gift. And that is God's plan as he mixes all of us together to his glory. Verse 27, all of you together are Christ's body. Each of you is a part of it. Gordon Fee said, and by the way, I didn't realize this. It kind of took me by surprise, but he's one of my favorite scholars. Um, He happens to be Assemblies of God. And, you know, when the assembly first came out, and I don't mean to bore you with this, but it intrigued me enough to share it. When we first started, we were kind of known as, we didn't put a lot into education. We just felt like, you know what, if God put the call on you, go. And there's nothing wrong with that overall, but it's good to know that we have men and women in the assembly who have gone on for their studies, who've gotten their PhDs, maybe two or three, and who help us to define who we are today. It's just good to know that uh, we have some scholars who have done this. And this is their gift, by the way, their teachers. Um, He said this, though. He said, you are the body of Christ, meaning that collectively, in their common relationship to Christ, through the Spirit, they are his one body. And I brought Fee up just to say he passed in 2022, and, you know, we, we lost a giant. Uh, when, and I didn't even hear about it, sadly. And I like how Pryor sums this up, and I've actually got this behind me, but he said, the body of Christ is placed in the world to serve. Ministry is its daily vocation, As the community is mobilized under the Holy Spirit within the real world, its throbbing vitality will be sustained. Gifts are to be used in practical, costly, and often very ordinary service. The ministry of Jesus through his physical body on earth is continued in the ministry of his body, the church. Moving right along. Verse 28. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers. Then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown tongues or languages. And note that Paul doesn't say that they are no longer to be used. Paul could have placed these gifts, and and I... I think that there's some kind of order here, but the apostle, the the prophet, the uh, teacher, he could have placed them in order of priority, which I think he did in some sense, but mainly because of the timing. When you start a new church, which is what apostles did and prophets, what did they do? They started new churches. They went into new places, and they 
develop them. And then the teachers would come in and they would make sure, like Timothy, they would make sure that everybody was or knew church etiquette, like Paul was doing here. So typically you're going to see these three apostles, prophets, and teachers as the starting of a church. And I believe that's the order that Paul chose because he's really telling us that no gift is more important than the other. So it would not serve the purpose here in the context if he were to say these were the most important. Then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, there's that helps minister, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Now, by the way, let me just say that I will get to these in-depth in at a future date. I just, for the sake of time today, I don't have time to go into any of these, but eventually I am going to get into these so that you'll know what they are so that you can see, does this fit? Is this who I am? And Paul isn't discrediting any of these here either. He's just saying that... Uh, Everybody has a gift. We need to figure out what it is. Let me see where I'm at here. I lost my place. All the gifts are needed. All the people are needed to make the body. Finally, everybody say finally. Finally. Verse 31. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. What are the most helpful gifts? The ones needed at the time. And who's going to give those to us? The Holy Spirit. If the church only operates, however, in one or two of these gifts, the church is going to be missing something. In the last sentence, Paul is leading up to chapter 13. We often know this as the love chapter. Paul is not suggesting that Love is the better gift because love isn't a gift. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Rather, he's saying it is the better way. Meaning, as we will see when we get there, the gifts are meaningless unless we operate in love when we use them. I'm going to close with this. And I asked our worship team to come back and we're going to sing that, not the last song, but the third song they played from the beginning, which was Honest Offering, I Surrender All That, that one. Our Misguided Goals by William J. Kemp. Kemp begins by saying there's an emptiness in pursuing anything less than God's call. Everybody here is called. God calls you, first to himself, then to become a part of the church. Kemp shared about Daryl Bach, a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, who also happens to write articles for Christianity Today. Bach spoke of how when he was young, he thought being a successful Christian meant being a winner for God, taking control doing all that I could for his kingdom. Sadly, I have to confess that that was a little bit of me when I started here in 2002. I wanted to be a success, a winner for God, doing all that I could for his kingdom. The essence, he said, of our spirituality was to do all we could for God in the 
40, so, 40 years or so that he gives us, right? I, and by that, we're never done. You know, you may retire. Brother Ron, you may retire, but God still uses you. We're never done. Until we're in heaven, he ain't done with us. So don't ever feel like that. The article goes on. Now at midlife, he's discovered that such spirituality is empty. Much of it was influenced by American culture with its bent toward independence and self-fulfillment. I do not like that word. Too many people are self-fulfilled. Well, what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? Well, I ain't doing it. If, 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 if I ain't going to be happy, if it ain't going to be fun, I ain't doing it. You mean it's going to cost me? Bach went on to say, and I quote, many pews on Sunday morning are filled with people seeking God, praying like mad, studying the Word, but who still wonder why God seems so distant. Maybe it is because our culture has taught us to pursue goals that do not bring us closer to Him. Perhaps those goals undermine the relationships we are to have with Him and with others. Something to chew on. What are some of our misguided goals? How about this? Where our culture says, seek your place in the world, our God says, seek the kingdom of God. Where our culture bids us to find yourself. I'm sorry, I shouldn't put emphasis like that. Find yourself. God calls us to lose yourself and then find life. Where our culture calls us to be your own self-made person, our God calls us to become members together of one body. Where our culture teaches us to look to your own needs and interests, God calls us to have the attitude of Christ Jesus who took on the nature of a servant. Where our culture promises you can have it all, God calls us to consider rubbish that we might gain Christ. Where our culture mandates, the final one, be at the top of your game, God calls us to be crucified with him. Like I said, sometimes the way that we're raised can contradict Scripture. He finalized this whole article with this. When we perceive our existence as a call from God rather than as a search for self, we free ourselves from the maelstrom of self-oriented ambition and find our ultimate purpose in life. That's where clarity is found. Not in knowing what we are looking for, but in answering Christ's call and abiding in Him. That'll preach. Oh wait, I just did. We need one another. We differ from one another. We are to care for one another. Would you say that last part with me? We are the body of Christ. Would you stand? As we sing this song again, and I felt like it was 
apropos for the message and you feel like the Holy Spirit's tugging on you, just, I like it when people come to the altar and I'm not telling you to come just for that. But there's something, and I've said this before, it's a step of faith. Everything we do as Christians is a step of faith, right? So take that step, get out, come up here, just, you don't have to kneel. If you want to, you can. But as we sing this song, just come and lift your hands and say, Lord, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? Let's go ahead and do this. Go ahead and lead us in this song, Adam.
That last verse again, acapella. God do with a church that is willing to give everything that they have, everything they're about back to him where they surrender it all and they say, Lord, have your way with me. I want this church to be energized and God wants to do that here. And if we're willing to step out in faith and let him, I believe we're going to see amazing tremendous things happen the miracles, one of the gifts, the miracles that we're going to see. People are just going to be blown away. And all it takes is us coming together. But if we don't, if we don't, we're going to look like this. This is what the world is going to see, and I think it happens too much. We don't want to be that person. We want to be like this guy. I can't show you the woman because she's a mess, but... You get it, though. Which is it going to be? Use your gift. Don't use your gift. It's our decision. It's our choice. God will not force you to do anything that you willingly don't want to do. So, check your spirit and see, have you surrendered at all? Let's sing that last part one more time, please. Make this your prayer. Father, again, we are humbled to be in your presence. Thank you for this strong word today. Help each one of us to apply it as is fit for our individual lives. Lord, we ask right now that you would just grow this church. Help us to be healthy, Lord, to be strong, to give the devil a headache. Lord, we want to be a nuisance to him. We want the spirit of the living God to be loosed on this community, on northern Michigan, and all around our state for those of our ladies who are going back home somewhere else. Hallelujah! Keep us strong in our faith. Don't let anybody get away, Lord. And help us to see our brothers and sisters in need. If somebody's hurting, I pray that the whole body would throb with that pain until that person is restored. And Lord, today we just give you this church, the people of the hope, those here, those online, keep us safe, bless our homes, Lord, bless our children, bless our marriages, 
and help us to mature in Jesus. I pray that when we come back again next week, we'd be stronger and better for it. Help us to find our gift. You can show it to us. You don't need some preacher telling them. Lord, just help them as they seek you. Remember the scripture that Jesus said, ask and it will be given, seek and it will be found, knock and the door will be opened. When you ask Jesus, Lord, show me my gift, he will show you. And I'm not going to labor with that up here today. I think that's something you personally need to go after, and he will show you. God, be blessed. Keep everybody safe as they come and go today, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming to the Hope.